2: Hello and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Dori Shafriar.
1: I'm Kate Spencer.
2: And we're not experts.
1: But we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. This is true. Welcome one and all. Welcome all in one. (laughs) How are you doing, Kate? Dori, I, before I arrived here to record this episode, was in the middle of a major children's artwork Purge. Ooh. That I, sounds satisfying. It is. You've seen the, there's just a big pile of like baskets and yeah. buckets. Yeah. And let me tell you, it dates back to when my eight-year-old was in preschool, the stuff that's in this pile, and there were numerous bugs that crawled out of the pile. Oh, dear. Like those kind of weird, like earwig bugs. Uh-huh. Numerous bugs. Oh. That was real gross. Oh. But the good news is it's getting done. Okay. I am... Discarding my children's art. And boy, there's a lot of stuff in there. But most of it is like, can be gone, can be like laid to rest.
2: Do you think they even know like what has been saved?
1: I want to say no, but what always happens mm-hmm. is I will throw out a thing. I think they don't care about. Right. And then two months later, they'll be like, have you seen my dot, 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 very specific item that like i totally didn't care about for too much you know it's like they are yeah they have very deep brains and they are very hurt if they catch me like if they come home with like a scribble on a piece of paper and i toss it and they see that it it is hurt it's really hurtful which i understand like it is something like as an adult we're like oh like a scribble but to them it's something they it's an expression of themselves it's you know art it's you know whatever they were doing and they do take their artwork very seriously and do you keep any of it on display I do. There's a bunch. I have it kind of displayed in their little play area, and I have some of it framed. It's just there's a ton. They just make a ton of things, which I will say, uh, like, on the other side of things, is pretty amazing because, like, I watch how much my kids create, Mm -hmm. and then I'm like, what have I made? Like, I didn't make a drawing today. Like, they're always express, like, they're really into expressing themselves, and I'm happy they're encouraged to do that. It's just they come home with a lot of paper. Yeah. So that is what's happening i'm just purging the crap out because i'm cleaning out my office i yeah. should say which yes. is exciting it is it feels really good i i uh, invested in some new target furniture nice i'm very excited about oh, good I got a couple What'd of sale deals a shelf a new coffee table nice a new rug from RugsUSA.com. oh yeah i bought a new tabletop for our computers at ikea All my fave stores. I'm a
2: big... you. Anything from
1: C-O-S-T-C-O? Not yet. But I mean, my whole house is basically furnished by Costco. (laughs) So So something might be coming. Something might be coming. Dory. Yes. I'm happy to be here with you because you're on the cusp of baby arrival. I am. Um,
2: You know, we're recording this a little bit ahead of time because we wanted to bank some eps before the arrival of the baby. So we're recording this like two and a half weeks before it's airing. Yep. So it's possible by the time this airs, I will have had the baby. I can't imagine. I'm so excited. Which is just like, what?
1: Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
2: What? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So
1: we'll post an update on our social media. How will we do this? Will we post, will you post like a picture of you and the baby? Have you thought about how you're going to make that announcement to the world? Do you well, even like want to do that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I want to do a post like announcing the baby's birth, um, but then I don't want to publicly post. <clears throat> I don't want to publicly post images of the baby after that. But I think one like birth announcement post is fine.
1: Yeah, here he is.
2: Here he is, bask in his glory. Oh, I can't
1: wait. I cannot <sighs> wait.
2: Um. Yeah, so I will post that on my personal page. I mean, I feel like we could post it on the Forever
1: Thirty Five Instagram. Uh, no, Dory, sorry, <laughs> that content doesn't work for me. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah.
2: So, so that's the plan. I mean, I have no idea when he's coming.
1: Does it feel surreal thinking about a world in which he is a uh, outside of your body?
2: Well, it's just surreal that it's so soon. Yeah. Like, two weeks is nothing.
1: It's a, it's a vacation for some people.
2: And my life is going to change completely in two weeks, maybe sooner. Maybe Who knows? Tomorrow. Maybe tonight. Oh
1: God. <laughs> I hope not. Cause we have to record more of this podcast. We this do, week, so. but
2: we did get our car seats installed. Good. So at least we're ready for that. We We got a certified car seat technician woman to come to the house, which was great actually, because she showed us a bunch of stuff that like, Maybe we would have eventually figured out, but I think there would have been a lot of like swearing
1: mm-hmm.
2: and like, wait, this isn't working because it turned out in Matt's car, it you can't use the, like the latches. You have to do it with a seatbelt. And I'm sure that would have taken us a very long time to figure out. That's great. So I'm very glad we did that. Everyone should do it. If you have one available in your area, which I'm sure you do.
1: I didn't do it. Um... I just literally threw my kids in their car seats and buckled them and buckled that car seat into the car. Wow! you can also, I believe, go to a fire station.
2: You can, but I have heard that they're not always like totally up to date on all the latest car seat tech. Okay. But I think it's better than nothing to go to a fire station. I also didn't do that. I mean, it's fine. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just saying, just like, being honest. I'm just saying, like we are, we're much more ready than we were two weeks ago.
1: That's great. Also, yeah. I will say the amount of time. I think, were I having a newborn, well, actually, no, I did have a newborn in Los Angeles. Didn't do it. But I, I, the I, the more I drive here, the more terrified I am that someone's going to sideswipe me or something. So I, this is not a great driving town. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Make, make
1: sure um, your kid's nice and safe in there but
2: I'm just like you know otherwise I'm just sort of continuing to nest and take it easy I've really been trying to take it easy good um I've been I've been like watching I watched the four-part miniseries Dr. Thorne on Amazon Prime
1: don't know what that is it sounds delightful it's based
2: on an Anthony Trollope book um it's about like mid-19th century rich people in Britain and it Directed sounds by great. Julian Fellows, who did Downton Abbey. Oh, yeah. And he and for the for the U.S. version, they have him doing a sort of like masterpiece theater like intro and outro to each episode. <laughs> like,
1: Hello, I'm Julian. Hello, kind of like Laura Linney did for Downton Abbey.
2: <laughs> kind of, but because he's like an old British man, it's more like Alfred Hitchcock presents. That sounds great. Um, and he's sitting in like a velvet armchair next to a fireplace. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That vibe. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it's it was a it was a delightful little miniseries. I think it came out a couple years ago. Um, I also caught up on better things, which I love.
1: I still haven't watched, but I'm it's on my list. And
2: I am loving Billions this season. I mean, I've always been a Billions fan, but it's one of the few shows that I like watch in real time. Like I'm like Sunday night time for Billions." Billions night.
1: Yeah. I don't even know what Billions is about. And this is no disrespect to Billions. I've just started paying attention to TV again after like eight years of my head being in a hole. Billions is about um, Wall Street Mm. and
2: people who work like the the first season is about the conflict between the guy played by Paul Giamatti who is the um U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York
1: okay interesting and
2: his his arch rival who is uh who runs a hedge fund and is that played by the
1: hot guy from Damien Lewis yeah
2: um homeland and in like the most <laughs> ridiculous contrived thing Paul Giamatti's wife works for the hedge fund guy that sounds great not contrived at all it sounds so, like juicy tv it's juicy tv they're in their fourth season now it's 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 delightful i really enjoy it um so yeah so i watch that every sunday and uh yeah just just kind of just kind of
1: waiting Well, i can't wait for your son to pop out a billions fan <laughs> He better be a billions fan. <laughs> Turn on that billions. <laughs> I'm here now. Paul Giamatti
2: and, and Damian Lewis both they both talk like this.
1: Like they're both like very it's like very like like melodramatic. And does Damian Lewis have a British accent? Or? No. Oh okay. American. Which he's a British man. I know.
2: I know. But he plays Americans very
1: well. He does. He yeah. does. thank you, Damian Lewis. Thank you, Damien, thank for, you, Damien for your them. service.
2: <laughs> so at the time of our recording. The official dates for the Sephora spring beauty sale have not been announced, but some rumors have popped up. Are we patrolling the (laughs) online gossip? Do we have a Google alert set up? Maybe. (laughs) Um, And we're pretty confident that the VIB and insider sales will be happening within a few days of this episode airing. It's possible that the Rouge sale has already started. Don't quote us on this. Don't quote us, but... We are just going off of what we are feeling been. confident, we're feeling confident. So we wanted to just give a little rundown of what we're excited about for this sale.
1: So what are you going to get, Kate? Well, you know, Dory, this is a time in which I like to t- maybe try something I wouldn't normally want to spend full price on. Yeah. But also revisit old faves that have been sitting in my makeup area box for approximately like four to 10 years. Okay. And, you know, I recently remembered that I have the NARS blush and orgasm Mm -hmm. and I love it, but mine is very, very old. Okay. So I might get a new one. Great. Now I kind of never know what to do with makeup because like I still have. I know. But I probably shouldn't get new one. Yeah. I think I've had it for like three years. I
2: have a MAC blush that I mean... It's probably like 10 years old. And you still using it? I don't use it that much, but like it's there. Yeah. It's there for the taking.
1: Nars Orgasm is a beautiful color. So It I, is beautiful. And I just revisited it and I was like, why am I not wearing this every time I go out? Mm-hmm. This is the perfect blush. So they also have it though, in my Googling, they have it in a liquid. Ooh. Uh-huh. And then they have it in like a lip balm. Oh. Uh, so- I was reading the reviews on that. I'm not sure I'm going to go with the lip balm, mm-hmm. but I might try the liquid blush. Okay. But but the powder blush is, is beautiful. So I might just stick with that, get it, you know, on, at the sale price and be done with it. Throw out the old one. Great. So here's another thing I'm going to get. Uh, Super Goop Sunscreen Mousse. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's sunscreen time all the time here in yes, California. And my kids hate Putting sunscreen on and I make them do it every mm. morning. But I have this little sample of the Supergoop sunscreen mousse and they love it. Oh, do they? Uh-huh. And I like it too. It's really, it comes out like a hair mousse. Yes, I have some too. But
2: can I just say what I love from Supergoop uh-huh. is their unseen sunscreen. Have you tried this? No. Oh, I love it. It goes on totally invisible it's it goes on really smooth is it a body sunscreen (laughs) yes it's a body sunscreen um i've been putting on my arms
1: it's spf 40 broad spectrum I, I really like it. I'm going to get some of that. I I also have I'm not going to get more of this cuz I have enough but like an oil sunscreen that they have that I put mm. on in the morning like to soften my skin and also just keep it protected. And so, I mean, this has turned into a Supergoop episode, but I, their well, products are really great. Well, one other
2: note about Supergoop mm-hmm. is I believe they sell it in the FSA store. So, if you have an FSA, a uh, like a you know, a health like spending a health spending account. account, yeah, I believe you can buy
1: it with your Dollars, your health spending account dollars. Well, I was going to get a couple big bottles of this mousse because my kids don't freak out every time, and they like to do Genius. put on their sunscreen themselves. Uh-huh. So, so, I was going to try them. They're independent out them. women. They are. They're getting there. Yeah. Uh, once again, I'm circling back to a product I've eyed and have never purchased, which is the SK Two Essence. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a cult beloved product mm-hmm. cult fave I should say it's not a cult um, but it's a very iconic product kind of similar to like the Biologique Recherche yes stuff what's that called P50, P50. Um, but it's very pricey more than I normally would spend. But what I'm doing the thing where I'm like, but it's research for this podcast and I should try it. But I don't know if that is going to motivate me to take the plunge. Okay. But I'm very curious about it. Okay. And the reviews, like if you kind of read through on Sephora's website, it's a lot of like, believe the hype. This product changed my life. (laughs) So, you know, I always believe the hype. I always buy into the hype and I always buy the thing. So, although maybe I'll just get that that'll be my one purchase okay okay so then there's a couple more things okay um I'm gonna stock up on my favorite one of my favorite favorite products rosebud salve Mm -hmm. I use it in the tin on my lips every day Mm -hmm. it's my go-to my nighttime go-to is Vaseline my daytime is rosebud salve great so I'm gonna get probably a bunch of those they're like seven bucks normally. So okay. get them a little discount. Then I found another super goop product uh-huh. that intrigued me. Yes. I was looking at I shadows because I was thinking about getting another RMS eye color. Uh-huh. But then I noticed Supergoop has something called the Shimmer Shade Illuminating Cream Eyeshadow with an SPF. Ooh. SPF 30.
2: There was just a thing that came out talking about how people forget to put sunscreen on their eyelids. Well,
1: you wouldn't forget if you were using this cream eyeshadow. I'm looking at it now. It looks good. Yeah. There was one color that I thought looked really nice. It's mm-hmm. kind of like an, ooh sorry. It's kind of like an everyday wear. Yeah. So I might try that out. I like the sale because it kind of encourages me to like open, broaden my horizons a little bit yep. and think about things that I'm like, well, I would try that. Let's yeah, see how it goes. Totally. So that's my list. Very heavy on the SPF. Well, you know, as you said, it's
2: very sunny here in Los Angeles. Year round. Year, well, it's... except this winter when it rained a lot. Yes. But the sun is out in force now. Dora, so,
1: Dory, can I mention we had a Canadian caller who left a voicemail and... She very kindly was like, No more. She was joking, but she's like, No more complaining about the Los Angeles winters. <laughs> I was like, You're right, Canadian fair, caller. Fair enough. But we did have rain, okay? <laughs> it was overcast. Uh,
2: what are yours? So, one of the things that I want to get is something that I put in the gifts I gave to my baby shower hosts. I love this stuff the Fenty Gloss Bomb Universal Lip Luminizer.
1: It's a shiny gloss. It's a
2: shiny gloss. You love it. My sister loves it. I just was like, I'm going to get this. Um, It looks really great. I think it's 18 bucks. Not too bad. Um, Also, so Sephora
1: also has a new in-house clean line. Yeah, This is interesting because they have a kind of a clean section now. Yes. Where there's certain standards that they kind of used to put products under the clean label but then they have their own line
2: then they have their own line it's a small line of a few products um and they say clean at sephora is formulated without sulfates sls and sles parabens formaldehydes formaldehyde releasing agents phthalates mineral oil retinol palmitate oxybenzone coal tar hydroquinone triclosan Trichlocarbon, all skincare, hair, and makeup brands with a clean seal have less than 1% of synthetic fragrances. So that's their that's their requirements Color to get the clean intrigued. seal. Okay. Um, and they have a serum that I was intrigued by called the Ultra Glow Serum Glow and Strengthen Vitamin C Serum. What drew you to it, Dori? Well, you know, I've been looking for that Holy Grail Vitamin C Serum. I haven't quite found it yet. You still haven't found what you're looking for, indeed. Um, and so I was like, oh, maybe I'll try this. It, it it's twenty dollars. I like that price so point. The price point is good. It has vitamins C and E. It has natural peptides from marine algae, known for its tightening effect. Um, the bottle is glass.
1: Okay. Okay. Which is what you want with a vitamin C. I I mean, what you want all the time, I believe.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm also trying to use less plastic. Mm -hmm, So like, mm -hmm. I appreciate that it's glass. So I don't know. So I think I'm going to give this a shot. Um, We'll see. Okay. I can't wait to hear. Yeah. Um, So that is one thing that I'm going to try. I would also like a new blush. What do you use now? Um, I use the Wander Beauty stick, Mm -hmm. which I really like. But I'm wondering if it, I I don't think it lasts that long. Like, I feel like by midday, I'm already, it's sort of fading. Do you have it on right now? I do. I can see it looks pretty. Oh, thank you. Um, So I think I might go back to a powder blush. That's why I, that's where I'm kind of landing again. Yeah. So there's this Charlotte Tilbury cheek to chic blush that has two shades.
1: These are pretty.
2: So you can use you can use either shade or you can kind of mix them together. Ooh. So I was thinking you might try that. But then, you know, I was also tempted by the by a non-powder blush, the Fenty
1: Matchsticks Shimmer Skin Stick. So I just opened this up and now I want one of these. It just looks fun. Right? It looks fun. I love the Fenty packaging so much. Yeah. So pretty. So
2: I, I'm I'm tempted to also, even though I just said I didn't want another. <laughs> You know, stick or cream blush. I'm tempted to to
1: buy this uh-huh. as well. I get why you're tempted. You know? It's really it's shimmery and beautiful. Yeah. This one starstruck, iced out pearl. Mm. Um, and you
2: know, I think I might also treat myself to a fancy bath soak situation. Go on. So I saw Sephora's has this herbivore coconut milk bath soak,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and I was like, oh that looks good. I love the smell of coconut. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think I might give it a shot. I am i support this. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, you know, just going to treat myself to it. Nice it's bath. like a
1: powder or a salt that you would add to the bath.
2: Yes. Okay. okay. Exactly.
1: I'm very, this time of year always gets me very excited. Yeah. Just in general. <laughs> not, not cause of spring. Cause oh. it's Sephora sales. Oh yes. Like just the feeling of like, the temptation of like a new product like totally. do you know I'm putting all my hopes into a product that yes. like oh this product will solve everything yes but i don't know it feels fun we'll have to report back on what we actually do buy yes because i do find t- sometimes i chicken out on certain things or i change my mind yes and, and we'll have to report back on what we actually like i mean always <laughs>
0: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.
2: Kate, I feel like we are, like, barreling into summer. It's
1: happening so fast.
2: It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more
1: Our guest today is Sophie Carter-Khan. Sophie, welcome. Thank you. you. Forever 35. Sophie is the co-creator of She's All Fat, the podcast for body positivity, radical self-love, and chill vibes only. And on the pod, she and the rest of the SAF team delve into stories of fat people, analyze popular media, and talk about the things and culture and music that they love. Sophie is also a freelance writer and is working on a YA novel. Very exciting. Yeah. Can't wait to read it. (laughs) We're so excited you're here. Can we start just at She's All Fat, which is an amazing podcast and also is really cool because you guys are independent creators, which I think is really amazing and really hard. Yeah. So I would love just if our audience has not heard yours and April's podcast, if you could just tell us a little bit about what inspired it, how you maintain chill vibes in a not chill world, (laughs) and why we should be
0: listening. Sure. So... April, my co-host, co-producer, co-everything, met on this now defunct app created by BJ Novak called The List App. Oh, yeah. A great app. It was great. I loved it. I made so many friends through it. She's a little younger than I am. She posted, oh, I graduated and I had this, she had this nonprofit job. And then she was like, oh, my God, I just got this writing job in LA. I'm moving to LA. And I was like, great, you're going to be my friend now. (laughs) And she was like, who are you? I don't trust you. That's the difference in our vibes. And she moved here. And then after about a year, we just had had a lot of conversations about body positivity and about kind of living in the world and fat bodies and how we were kind of impatient with a lot of the Bopo vibes we saw everywhere because we didn't feel like they were really delving into stuff kind of more deeply. And then April was like, well, we both want to be TV writers and we're both like working on stuff. So why don't we just make a podcast that's like talking about the stuff we already talk about. And it's like a sample to show our voice and what we want to talk about and our the topics we find interesting. I was like, okay. And uh, then three months later, we had our first episode. <laughs> had either of you podcasted before? No, but we're both writers in different ways. I did a lot more freelance writing. I've worked at Hello Giggles and BuzzFeed and other like little production company stuff too, trying to work my way into entertainment land. And April has been a writer's assistant and now like a staff writer on some TV shows. So we have different kinds of narrative histories, but they both work together, I think, pretty well to make the kind of crossover medium that podcasting is. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's such a great podcast. And I feel
2: like the community that's kind of emerged around it, it is also really amazing. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that community? I mean, is that something that you and April, do you feel like you cultivated it? Did it just kind of happen?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that there's a real hunger for true fat positivity in a lot of people who feel like they've kind of woken up who are like, great, I don't have to do diet culture anymore. And I don't have to hate myself. And I don't have to do all this stuff. And then they're like, cool, what do I do now? Mm -hmm, Because like so much of our culture is Based on that, even the stuff that April and I talk about as our fades, it's always great, love this, ignore this part, ignore this part, ignore Mm -hmm. this part, you know? And people who are marginalized in all sorts of ways are used to doing that all the time. There's a lot of trauma porn about body positivity stuff kind of out there right now, which I think is necessary to show people perspectives they haven't seen before. But I'm just What do you mean by that? Just there's a lot of thin people who are starting to understand things that are basic tenets of body and fat positivity, which are like the size of your body is not a moral goal or people deserve to be treated with respect and equally no matter what body they live in and the ways that those ideas intersect with racism, that obviously applies, and with disability, that obviously applies, et cetera, et cetera. Then there'll be a lot of, oh my God, like it's so hard for fat people. Like I would hate being fat. Or even the other way where it's like, I'm a size 14 and like, I understand both sides because sometimes I'm thin-shaped and sometimes I'm fat. And i just, just like, oh, oh my God. I just wanted a space where I could talk to my fat friend about this lip gloss. And also like, isn't this fat joke so wild that in a kind of a lighter way, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's also the kind of art I want to create. I want to create fat protagonists. I don't want to create stories for thin people to understand how hard it is to be fat. Yes, you know? the kind of pitying yeah. story where it's like, now we understand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Can I ask about the
1: just the term body positivity? Because sure. it's definitely like a hot button word yeah. that everybody is loving throwing around. But I don't know if it's always used in the most effective way. It's for kind sure. of being claimed by people who maybe are not actually body positive. So for our listeners who maybe have not heard it, could you just tell us a little bit about what body positivity means th- to you? Sure. And <clears throat> how you
0: see it kind of playing out culturally right now? Yeah. Yeah. Body positivity came out of the fat acceptance movement that was started in the '70s by fat queer people, mostly femmes and women. I think in like Oakland, there's like some history of it that we've linked on our on our website. You can go back through, but it's not super tracked in a lot of places. The current movement kind of came out a lot online through Instagram, mostly, which is because it's a more visual medium, and that has also added to a lot of the issues with it. So at its best, body positivity centers the people who are most Marginalized any kind of feminist movement, so that would be the fattest people, the people who have intersections of other marginalization, being black, being a person of color, being uh, marginalized by gender, being queer, being disabled. At its worst, body positivity is like a white, cis, able-bodied, size twelve model talking about <laughs> how she likes her tummy. I'm like, yeah, that's nice. You look fine. You look like every other model. I think that body positivity for me, I think like a lot of people, it started on Instagram by me just following, starting to follow larger bodied people and being, seeing their bodies become more normalized in my head helped me think of myself as more normal. And that led to me thinking of myself as deserving respect and deserving, you know, to be treated with respect and justice and accessibility and that kind of thing. But there's also a lot more, you know. There's an academic side to it that people don't get into, which they don't necessarily need to. A lot of justice movements struggle with being accessible, I think. Yeah. And you know, to like the everyday person who doesn't need to be like quoting Camus or whatever, <laughs> you know. Um, I could not. No, me neither. I mean, which is my personal gripe with a lot of social democrat stuff. But that's another another pod podcast. I think now that it's like a buzzword, people use it to mean like self care or mm. feeling pretty, mm. which it's not. You know what I mean? Like feeling positive about your body means feeling pretty, means doing the things to make yourself feel pretty, which feeling pretty usually means aligning with white, hetero patriarchal norms. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas it's more like, sure. That's why we have a distinct difference we try to make on the pod between body positivity and self-love because they're really different things. Self-love is also important, feeling kind towards yourself. Mm -hmm. But to me, body positivity doesn't really have anything to do with liking yourself as much as fighting for your body and other bodies to be treated as equal.
2: Yeah. On a recent episode, you and April talked about kind of decoupling body positivity from health. Yeah. Which I thought was a really interesting discussion. Yeah. Um, And I was wondering if we could go into that a little bit.
0: Sure. Yeah. I think a lot of times people will also take body positivity to be like going in the gym, hashtag body positivity. Well, what does that mean to you? That Mm -hmm. means you're like trying to achieve your what you think is your best body or your best self or something, which, again, is totally separate from the goals of treating everybody with respect. We live in a society that really tries to encourage everybody to become the most efficient machine it can be. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And some bodies will never be there. And also, I don't think that's a moral goal for people. So, for example, if someone was in an accident or was born with something or made choices that led to them using a wheelchair, that person deserves the same amount of respect and like the least amount, (laughs) like they don't deserve this, the like, pitying or like, wow, they're such an inspiration kind of thing. You know, it's like they're just a person in a body the same as someone walking around as a person in a body. A person who can walk has no moral betterness in their body than someone who can't walk. And that applies to fatness or smallness or color, et cetera, as well. So when we talk about, you know, everyone wants to feel good and feel healthy, whatever that means to mm-hmm. you. But bodies, like my body, has a lot of chronic illnesses. I'll never have ultimate health mm-hmm. ever. So when people talk about, you know, trying to gamify health or trying to – track things or trying to diet. It's all part of this thing that's like, if I just work hard enough, I could have the best possible body. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, number one, that's probably not possible. And number two, why is that a goal? Right. Because again, like justice just shouldn't have anything to do with health. It has to do with respect and accessibility for you as you are. Right.
2: And like you said before, it gets imbued with this kind of moral yeah authority that it doesn't deserve.
1: Well, yeah. I, I have found I really struggle with diet culture and getting sucked into it and, and I, I, the past few years it's felt like diet culture is now disguising itself as like quote unquote wellness. Yeah and health. And like this is this is not to be thin, it's to be quote unquote healthy. Right. But the messaging and the end goal that's being perpetuated is ultimately the same shit. For sure.
0: Well especially because Our culture right now equates thinness with health. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, for me, I can use myself as an example of someone who, even though, again, health is not a goal and health is not a moral goal for anyone, you can make whatever choices you want with your body. That's what I want people to be able to do. Mm -hmm. But for me, diet culture and feeling like I had to become thin caused the opposite (laughs) of health for me. And it was only when I was like, oh, actually, I don't have to either starve myself or binge or do all these Things I can just be in my body. That's when I started listening actually to what my body needed. And it was only after that that I was able to be like, oh, you know what? I think there's something up with this. I think there's something up with that. And go get diagnoses and go get medication and go to Mm -hmm. doctors for things that before this I'd bought into being like, you know, doctors told me like, oh, this is because you're fat. It'll be better if you're thin. And then I Mm -hmm. never addressed things that now I'm like, holy shit, I could have not been feeling sick for like five years. You know, yeah. so I think having these kind of unattainable goals or having these ideas of, well, if a healthy body looks like this and this is the best way to have a healthy body and this is the best thing to do. It just leads to us trying to force our bodies into that instead of looking at where you actually are and being like, what does my body want? What foods make not like what foods are cheat foods or what foods are healthy foods? What foods fuel me in a way that feels good? Mm-hmm. What foods do, do I enjoy the taste of? What foods do I enjoy how I feel an hour later, two hours later, three hours later? Until I started feeling more confident in my body positivity and, and politics, I, I didn't know the answers to many of those questions. I knew the calories of everything. Mm. I knew the Weight Watchers points of everything. Mm-hmm. I knew how long it would take me on the treadmill to work something off. And I knew how long I could go without eating. But I didn't know what does this actually taste like to me? What does it taste like if I cook it with this? Yeah. How, how much energy do I wake up the, with the next morning, which are metrics that actually matter to me? And truly affect your well-being. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So for me, in my experience, body positivity freed me from these fake strictures I put over my body and allowed me to actually become more healthy. Also, body positivity to me is like if someone wants to be unhealthy or make unhealthy choices, they should be free to do that. It's their freaking body. It can do whatever they want with it, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've also talked about the exclusivity of the body positivity movement. You had a discussion about weight loss surgery that was really interesting and eye-opening to me.
0: Can we talk about that a little bit? Sure. I'm not an expert on that because part of the point of that episode was just like any other kind of classification or marginalization, there's like people who are affected in different ways Mm -hmm. and there's kind of a scale. The fatter you get, the more marginalized you are. Yeah. And uh, I'm not like the fattest person and I'm not the most marginalized person. There's people who there's like different words for it. But a lot of people who go by super fats get more pressured into getting weight loss surgery. I've like heard a lot of crazy stories about weight loss surgery. But basically the point of that episode was just that in our community specifically, the She's All Fat community, we want everyone to be welcome to talk about their struggles with diet culture and with the ways that the world as it is has affected them. Mm Because there's some body positive spaces, we're getting into the weeds now of like inner body positivity. So some people may not know about this stuff, but there's some like Facebook groups and the, those kinds of things where it's like no weight loss surgery discussion or no weight loss, nobody with weight loss surgery can be in here, which I also understand as that is definitely a necessary space, especially mm-hmm. for super fatter, much larger bodied people who have chosen not to do anything like that. They need a space to be supported in that decision. Yeah. But for our listeners, we create a space that our listeners are really arranged. We have like half straight-sized people and half plus size people. And our space is like I want people – we don't allow discussions of intentional weight loss and like that kind of I'm trying to lose weight. Can mm-hmm. you guys help me or something? Mm-hmm. But I think it's really important to create spaces where it's allowed to talk about like oh, I'm really struggling with wanting to – diet. Mm -hmm. Uh, I got, you know, I'm, I'm super fat, and I have these knee issues. And my doctor told me I need to have this surgery, and I'm going to do it. And I need support. And I'm scared. And I don't know how to still be body positive in this. You know, I don't feel I can really speak on or judge those choices at Mm -hmm. all, because I'm not there. You know, right. So for me, and April in the space, we create those discussions are safe, Mm -hmm. you know, but yeah, I don't I'm not like the arbiter of anything except for my little kingdom, <laughs> So you know, just yeah. this. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly.
1: I also I also love I forget what episode of the song I was listening to, but you talk about how there is no perfect person who is existing outside of the patriarchy, outside of diacol- outside of all these. Yeah um I don't know, systems that are in effect and we and we get that question a lot on not a lot but it's come up like how can we enjoy skincare and makeup when it's also system like oh, for sure misogyny at play and like and I don't have I don't know we're I don't know like either. imperfect and also stuck in this trap but I think you made it was a reassuring point to hear you make of like nobody has that figured out. Nobody no. is existing outside of any of it.
0: No, every I mean, even if I were going to be perfect with my politics, I would wear like, sackcloth and ashes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's no like I mean, even skin, a lot of skincare advertising especially is like racist, you mm-hmm. know, yet I still like want to put on serums. And get rid of dark spots or whatever. There's like a new body positivity thing now about embracing your acne and stuff, which is like I'm starting to read into and grapple with because I'm like, oh, God, am I going to be canceled for not (laughs) wanting to have acne? (laughs) I don't want to do this. But like I think there's all aspects of it where it's like putting on makeup is like I said, playing into those norms, into those ideals, it's still fun. I still want to do it. I still have to like walk down the freaking street in the world, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, we still have to exist in this. Yeah. So it's, I think it's just all about making sure I feel personally like I have a balance between participating and looking deeply at that participation, being like, what do I feel comfortable with? What can I work on right now? What do I feel like? Where do I feel like my lines are? Mm -hmm. You know? Where do I feel like I want to commit to something and stick to it? Yeah. You know, where do I do I want to work on creating less trash? Do I want to work on using only natural products? Do I want to work on only buying from like ethically sourced fabric place? Like, what do I want? to? Yeah. Because there is a thousand things I could do and it's impossible to do all of them. But I think that means you just have to kind of choose one and start, you know? Yes.
1: Oh, yes. I had a <laughs> full on panicked attack about uh, the amount of plastic I'm purchasing. It's a lot. In my skincare, like in my skincare and makeup. Yeah. And it's like, even if I'm purchasing natural makeup products, some of them are still coming in plastic. So is that, does it, then, you know, then the spiral It's begins. a whole thing. It's a thing. Yeah. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning... aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their Mm -hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here Mm -hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving, that sun is coming at us at all times times. One Skin believes the Amen. purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code over Fifty at Oneskin.co. That's 15% off Oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. Um, can you talk a little bit about, you You mentioned getting in tune with some of your chronic health problems. Yeah. And what have you, what's been um, in your words or in your experience, self-care and dealing with health problems, chronic health issues?
0: Well, I kind of separate self-care into two separate columns. One column is like the kind that takes getting over the initial hump of work. And then the other kind is like, Unplugging kind of self care. So, unplugging kind of self care is watching criminal minds. It's like Mm. useless. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's nothing happening. Just watching Matthew Gray Goobler. I'm getting mad about how Penelope has this weird relationship (laughs) with what's his name and like they never actually let them get together, you know? And there's no queer characters and blah, blah, blah. But it's just comfortable, you know? And then the other kind of self care is call my mom, make a doctor's appointment, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. journal. Take the dog for a walk and stuff that I'm like, if I'm on the couch, I don't really want to get up and do it. But I know I'll feel better when I've done it, you Mm -hmm. know? Oh, yes. (laughs) And when I have a flare of any of my chronic illnesses, there's like different levels that I can get over the initial hump of. Sometimes I like can't do any of them. And then I just shower. That's it. (laughs) And that's that's a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's, you know, April and I have talked a lot recently about how you kind of have to be 80% healthy already to go to the gym. You can't go to the gym when you don't already feel kind of okay. Yeah. You know? For example, one of my chronic illnesses is this thing called HS, which is hydrogenitis suppurativa, which a lot of people have but don't know about because it's not super well researched and there's not really like any good solutions for it right now. But for me, and, a, and and thin and fat people have it, men and women have it, but a lot of fat people have it. It's tied sometimes with PCOS and it's tied with like other inflammatory things. And what it is, a oh, little gross, so sorry, but you oh, get- we can get into <laughs> it. You get like boils in areas with mm. sweat glands. So Ow. yeah, and they hurt and they bleed and they are really awful. And for me and a lot of other fat people, I was told that it was just because I was like sweating and not showering enough. And I was like, I don't think
2: so. That <laughs> doesn't I sound right. So.
0: <laughs> but for several years, that's just what I thought it was. And I thought I was gross and bad. And, and then I found it online. I like Googled about it. And I was like, oh, my God, this is it. And I had to take it to the doctor and be like, do you know about this? And tell them to read about it. But a lot of people have it. I like try to talk about it a lot, the podcast, because people always email and be like, oh, my God, I have this. and I didn't even know. For me, it's like a chronic condition. There's different levels of it. There's a lot of different things people try. For my body specifically, I also had a lot of, like I said, I have... I have PCOS, which it's tied with. And I also have like GI inflammatory stuff. Mm-hmm. And when I reduce inflammation everywhere by eating in the way specific to my body that reduces inflammation, it helps with it. But also I get flares with stress. I get flares with hormonal stuff. I get flares with if I eat cheese, like, I, get <laughs> you know, I get flares with all kinds of things. But for me with that, I know that if I'm making sure to eat the way that's I consider like eating in the way that's non-inflammatory for me to be self-care because that it takes work and is hard. Yeah. And how did you figure out? Because I
1: feel like with the inflammatory stuff, like I once saw a chiropractor who was like, no strawberries for you. Right. It's and so it, random. And it's like, but how to, what if they're not inflammatory right. for me? How did you figure out kind of what was feeling? Like, did you have to kind of experiment? With yeah. What you're eating?
0: Oh, yeah. So I went to, when I figured out that I had all these GI issues and I was like, great. Anyone who's had eating issues knows that like trying to deal with this stuff, anything that's like you're going to have to change how you eat was like immediate alarm bells like, oh, no, I don't want to get triggered into any of this again. This could easily become some kind of restrictive eating. Yeah. So it's like I got to do be really, really careful about how I do this. So I researched a bunch of integrative nutritionists and nutritionists who talked about Haze, which is health at every size. Oh, that's great. Which is like a really good keyword for people who are looking for a book to read about, you know, how to approach health in a body positive way. Which basically that book just says you can make you can choose things that are healthy for your body without looking at your size you know you can eat in a way that's healthy for you or exercise or whatever without just focusing on being thin so I found a nutritionist and then I told her like I'm really scared (laughs) I don't want to get back into my disordered eating habits I feel bad all the time and I want to not have my stomach hurt all the time and I have all these things that I have a feeling are tied to this and I am firmly against dieting and this feels like dieting like what do we do And she was like, "Okay, well, what she wanted to do was do an elimination diet, which is, you know, you take out the most common Mm -hmm. inflammatory triggers because they don't know specifically what causes things in everyone, but they know the most common things. And I was like, I don't think I can do that now. So for six months, we just worked on working up to it. Like for two months, I tracked my food. That was really hard because that felt so Weight Watchers. For yeah, me. yeah, that's like that was really, really hard. And wh- literally all we did was I took pictures of the food and like the app. I, I was like, why do you want me to track food? She was like, because I can see more easily if you're accidentally eating inflammatory things, because a mm. lot of people don't know. It's not about like judging it. It's that you might eat something and, and I'd be like, oh, that's not actually that's this or this or that or whatever. I was like, OK, oh, hey, but I feel like you're judging me. she's like, let's practice. So I would take pictures of what I ate. And then I'd go in and she'd be like, I'm not judging you. We're just looking at it together. We like literally just did that for like a long time. And then I tried cutting out one thing at a time. And we like worked up to <laughs> being able to do it. And then I did the elimination. And then I wanted to do another one actually because the end of elimination is supposed to be like – you test foods and the way you test foods is you eat a bunch of them for one day and then wait three days and like see how they work. And that felt very scary. You have to pay such, such close attention, you know, that that was going to be very triggering. So I kind of, I would eat something and then kind of see how I felt. But now I feel more confident with that stuff. So I feel like I could do it more specifically. But basically after doing that, it was very, I was like, oh yeah, I can't eat gluten anymore. It's like very clear. Like, oh, I can't eat this anymore. It's very like, it just was extremely clear once I hadn't eaten something for six weeks and then I ate it again and I felt terrible. Yeah. I was like, oh, all right. And that was very, very useful for me because there are so many diets that people will say like, this, this will clear this up. Just do this. And you never know. You're like, how do I know if this is working? How do I know if this is the right thing? Or people are like, just cut this or this or this out. But you don't really know what applies to your body until you are just looking specifically at your body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the elimination protocol is like worked for me as the best way to like actually feel confident that I knew the effect certain foods had on my my body. And so then I could choose to eat them or not with full knowledge. Like I didn't I didn't any longer have that feeling of like, well, maybe if I maybe this didn't work just because I didn't try hard enough. You know what I mean? I was like, I, no, I know this makes my stomach hurt. And I know this makes me flare. And I know that this this feels better to eat, you know? And then I could, if I chose to eat something that I know hurt my stomach, it was like a choice. That's- she sounds like a great nutritionist. Yes. She's awesome. Yeah, her name is Jenny Miramati. And she's like on Instagram. She has, the, honestly, I looked at her Instagram and I was like, fuck, she has perfect skin. So she must be doing something right. <laughs> what
1: are your secrets, Jenny? Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like though... Which is a topic that's come up on this show before is that you also were very clear with your doctor and advocating for yourself, which is really hard, which is terrifying, which is really hard. Yeah, so hard. Yeah, <laughs> did had was that something you went into kind of knowing you needed to
0: do? Yeah, or did it? Ju- has it? Are you at a place where you now can do that? Both are true. I was at a place physically where I was just like, I feel so shitty all the time, and I have felt so bad for two years that I am desperate. I'm going into the doctor not because I'm like on my health journey, but because if I don't stop shitting blood, I'm gonna <laughs> die. <laughs> you know, it's like I can't do this anymore. No, you. Nobody should it was be like you know. I was yeah. forced into a corner by my body, basically it was like I cannot function I cannot work I can't do this but also I was at a point in my body positivity where like I mentioned before I had figured out I had HS I'd figured out I had PCOS which both of those things were things I like googled and I was like "Mm, I think I have this and like went in to get diagnosed and a lot of fat people are afraid to go to the doctor because all they hear is like "Mm, we're gonna work on that weight right Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, we're gonna think about that right yeah (laughs) I'm like no, I've never thought about it. What do you mean? <laughs> you know, what do you think? Mm-hmm. You think any fat person who goes to the doctors never thought about it? So it's, I, I personally am like very privileged because I have the money to go out of network mm. and I have the money to like keep trying doctors until, and I live in LA so I can find whatever freaking weirdo <laughs> naturopath like hey is doctor i want yeah, you know there are a lot of options yeah, in yeah. a city like this yeah so i have that luck and privilege for sure A lot of people, not just fat people, but a lot of people have negative interactions with their doctors. And it's hard when you're in there for 15 minutes and you're like, but I think maybe this. And then we feel like, well, they're the expert. But you're the expert on your body. Like you're the one who lives in your body. Mm -hmm. You're the one who sees it every day. You're the one who feels it every day. So I think it can be really hard to advocate for yourself. But that's really there's a lot of scripts online you can find. For going into the doctor, we have some of those linked on our website, too, that are, like, if you're nervous, you can practice, you know, or or for fat people, they recommend saying, like, um, there's this really good script created by a, by a writer uh, that's linked on our site, and it's like, okay, well, I have this illness, and if the doctor says, like, we'll just lose weight, you can say, like, well... What would you say to a thin person with this illness? Because there's no illness that just fat people have.
2: This comes up. I have another podcast about infertility, and this comes up a lot in the infertility community. Yeah. Um, a lot of fat women who seek help with IVF or whatever yeah. are told by reproductive endocrinologists, like, I can't treat you unless you lose weight. Yes. And they're starting to be. REs who subscribe to yeah. health at any size. And so yeah, we had talked about that on an episode, but it's yeah. it's just like a problem all over the medical community.
0: Yeah, for sure. I would recommend people who have PCOS who also deal with this to listen to the podcast PCOS and Food Peace. Have you heard of this? No. So, with Julie Duffy-Dillon. She's really great at like talking about this and because for PCOS, most people are just told like, "We'll just lose weight. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, you know, thin people have it too, right? Right. So like, even though I understand the mechanics of it and the insulin and whatever, it's like, cool, the focus on losing weight is not helpful. Yeah. What's helpful is to think about what practices will be best to mitigate the effects of it, yeah. you know? Um, and also food psych with Christy Harrison, Christy Harris, Christy Harrison is like really great talking about this stuff too. Going to the doctor is so hard. We have done a couple episodes on it because- it's such a, like, a fraught scenario, mm-hmm. I think. Um, See, this is why I like to talk about <laughs> fun stuff. Well, too. we can transition. I was, just, I was like, literally just about to be like, not yeah. to make a super <laughs> awkward transition, but <laughs> this is why, <laughs> it's like These are systemic issues, you know? Yeah. These are systemic, hard issues. Many listeners are still going to be like, but I want to be thin. And I'm going to be like, that's fine. I hope that you someday get to a spot where you feel okay about your body or feel neutral towards your body. Yeah. Feel like you want to treat it with respect no matter where it is. There's no, I don't have judgment towards people who exist in diet culture or whatever because like, yeah, I was there for a long time. Mm -hmm. I've done every diet. I've done every single diet possible. I've done medical diets. I've done everything, you know? My life is like a thousand times better now that I don't wake up and that's not the first thing I think about is wanting to be small. Yeah. For 15 years, it was like, I wish I were thin. I wish I were thin. What am I going to do if I'm thin? What am I going to do when I'm thin? What do I do when I'm thin? I can't do that till I'm thin, you know? And when I'm thin, When dot, I'm thin, dot, when I'm thin. This be true. Boys yeah. will like me, blah, 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 you know? None of that is accurate. I've done many more things fat than I did thin. But that's also like why... It's so special for me to do a podcast with another fat person because there are a lot of funny things about being fat, too, or like silly things. And they're not – right now, I'm not comfortable with a lot of comedy about fatness because most Mm -hmm. of it comes from a thin gaze. Yeah. You know what I mean? The same way that like a man making a joke about a woman or a straight person making a joke about queerness feels really bad. But making an in-community joke feels good. You know, mm-hmm. so it's fun sometimes to talk about like <laughs> when we start recording. And I'm like, "Are you sweating?" You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I'm sweating a lot. It's hot. You know, there's got to be the lightness in it there to has like because be. it's a yeah. hard, it's hard work. Yeah, we're not going to untangle it all in in a day, in a week, in a year. You know, and
1: serums are fun. They're so fun. They're f- <laughs> it's fun to put stuff on your face. Yes,
0: it feels good. It does feel good. Do you have faves? I know you – I made you, a list oh, yeah. to come <laughs> in with. Okay. If you haven't read, my one of my favorite writers about a lot of stuff, this writer named Amanda Mull. Um, oh, I love Amanda yeah. Mull. And she wrote a really good article in The Atlantic called The Best Skincare Trick is Being Rich. Mm-hmm. And, yes. Yes. Yeah, I'm great. sure you guys know about that. Yeah. But I just want to underscore that just because, like, the reason that I can play with skincare stuff is yet again because I have, like, $60 to drop on a serum. And, like, totally. it's not <laughs> – The reason you can have, like, nice skin if you go to, like, facials and, you know, have light treatments or whatever. its That's why it's not necessary in a bad praxis for social justice because it's all about how much money you have to drop. It's an industry. Yeah. It's a billion-dollar industry. (laughs) Exactly. So with those two things said, here's what is up. I love this thing called leo oil okay i've heard of it so it's made by this woman named dina who i also met on list app her blog is called like leo with cancer she has metastatic breast cancer basically she that like she had breast cancer and then it i'm not the science i'm not a science but it it metastasized her blood or something so she just Mm. has it forever and she makes this face oil that she now like sells And it's really good. It has blue tansy, rosehip seed, and meadow foam seed oil, which work for my face. Some people are sensitive to blue tansy, but, like, it's in that herbivore Mm -hmm. um, one, too. But I really like it. It's, like, it smells really good, and, like, it feels really good. And she does, like – she, like, waves crystals over it and shit before she (laughs) makes
1: (laughs) it. I love that. Why not? It's fun. It is fun. Um, so I use that. That's really
0: cool. And it sounds yeah. like
1: also purchasing from a small – someone who exactly. is – Exactly. A woman running a small
0: business. Yeah. Who exactly. Who is bettering the world. Which I love. Um, I don't know. I use a lot of – okay. I've talked about this. I get a lot of questions about this one too, weirdly. Okay. So I use Dr. Jart's Cicapair like, cream. Mm-hmm. That's what I have on today. It's, like, just a tinted SPF cream, Only works for white people. Please be aware. But uh, I really like having both like physical and chemical sunscreen because two dermatologists have told me you're going to have cancer just depends when. Because I'm so pale and I get so many freckles. So I'm like, great, great. Uh, sunscreen everywhere. Oh <laughs> Which is why I also like Super Goop's hand cream that has sunscreen mm. in it. It's good for your hands. That's a good idea. I'm forgetting my hands a lot. Right? Can I give like a weed shout out? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I really like this brand called Dosist. Do you uh-huh. use those? Uh-huh. Okay. Dosist like vape. The pens. pens. Yeah. They're really good if you are new. We're gonna do an episode this season about CBD and chronic pain. But if you are nervous about approaching this stuff, as I was as like a goody two shoes, <laughs> never did anything. Yep, me too. Growing up, then like these are very approachable if you live in a place where you can buy legal weed because they literally buzz once you've h- taken the whole um the like recommended dose or whatever. So like for me, my initial weed experiences were going to outer space and it was awful. <laughs> and so when people were like, try CBD for chronic pain, I was like, I am scared. Yeah, I had the same. Yeah. yeah. But I love these. There's like a bunch of different kinds. And I also found this brand recently called Not Pot. Do you guys know about them? No. They make gummies and I like them because, again, like participating in the, you know, fancy new weed industry that's come up is like hashtag problematic mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. because of like who's in jail for having done you know yes, like and like john co- Boehner exactly. is now like a weed mm-hmm. m- machine right. there's a whole uh, lot of yeah, shit yeah, yes. to get into there but not pot gives money back to the bail project which i appreciate about that that's great yeah i also um I think you guys have talked about these before, but, like, getting a bidet is life-changing. Mm-hmm. I still got to do this. Do you have one, too? Yes. It's great. I don't know why. There's a lot of things I think Europeans do that Americans look down on. Like, they're like, um, trains and bidets? Why? And those are, like, actually great. <laughs> like make the world win. You know better. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Bidets are great. Clean your butt. Don't have to use wet wipes. Those are bad for the environment. Mm-hmm. So bad. Also, a lot of fat people should use bidets because it makes it a lot easier to, like, stay clean for people who have, like, accessibility issues and mobility issues. I recently uh, I recently ordered, like, a memory foam pillow on Amazon that is helping me a lot. Go on. Okay. I am. I'm currently icing my back. with Really? My, yeah, I have such bad back okay. issues right now. This thing happened to me the other day where I was like, I don't want to feel physically old until I'm getting the benefits of being older, which is like more respect in my mm-hmm. mind. <laughs> you know what
1: mm-hmm. I mean? Like senior so, citizen discount.
0: Or just <laughs> like, I want to feel like, okay, I feel like when my mom walks down the street, people are like, that's an adult. Mm-hmm. You know? When I walk down the street, I still feel like a kid. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I do. Um, And so I... The other day, I woke up with a huge knot in the back of my neck, and I never had one this bad. Like, I had to go to a massage to get it worked out. Oh, it really wow. was really, really painful. I couldn't turn my end to the right. And my boyfriend is two years older than me, and he was like, yeah, this is what happens now. And I was like, <laughs> what, the <laughs> <fuck>? <laughs> what the hell? Um, and so I ordered this pillow on Amazon that just, like, it's called a foam contour pillow. Mm. So it's memory foam contour. So it has, like, kind of a, like... It's up on the ends and then down so Uh that it keeps your neck in a better position. There's like a slope. Yeah. And it's like better for your head. And then I also ordered this like – Pillow specifically for in between your knees so if you're you, a side are, sleeper, you are speaking my language i'm i'm, I'm trying listen and my so it's like our bed is like i'm on my side with like my <laughs> inter-knee <laughs> pillow my weird foam pillow and then my boyfriend on his side with like i ordered him one time one of those pregnancy pillows that just oh, wraps all the way around you and best. like an anxiety blanket or whatever we're just like in our pods <laughs> <laughs> (laughs) Yeah, dog in between Uh, us and our pods. It
1: sounds cozy,
0: honestly. It does so (laughs) so snuggly.
1: I'm wondering if you have any either YA recommendations for our listeners or fantasy novel
0: recommendation or just a book that makes you feel good that
1: you love and want to share.
0: I just read this book for my book club that I'm trying to make go called uh, Uh, How Long Till... Black Future Month by N.K. Jemison, who is a black sci-fi writer and I recommend it I really have enjoyed it so far we had our first meeting and I was like three fourths the way through which is a short story book it's perfect for that because we just talked about the stories we'd all read Mm -hmm. Um, but I really enjoyed it because it's like a lot of a lot of sci-fi, especially classic sci-fi, feels kind of unapproachable from my perspective. It's very, like, male-centered. It's very white-centered. It's very, like, a lot of it's racist and sexist. And also a lot of 20th century male sci-fi writers ha- are, like, pedophiles and rapists and stuff mm. when you look into it. Mm. But I also think that sci-fi and, like, speculative fiction and fantasy novels have, like, a huge potential for – for me at least, in sparking creative growth and sparking Mm. thinking about how I want the world to be because my ideal world is the fantasy right now, you know? And so I like to read fantasy that thinks about what if the world was like this or what if the world was like that? And so her sci-fi stories and fantasy stories center Black women and femmes pretty much and think about, try to grapple with the way our world is and the way that future worlds could be and how they would be affected by our world currently and stuff. So I've really enjoyed that. And then I also read just like fun stuff. Like I'm reading this one book right now called, uh, I think it's like called Snot Girl or something. It's like a graphic novel about like a superhero who has like (laughs) toxic snot or something. There's this other one called, uh, shoot, what's it called? I'll have to send it to you later for your show notes, but it's basically like, A Sherlock Holmes YA novel, If Sherlock and Watson. Oh, it's called – it's about Charlotte Holmes. And she. it's, like, the descendants of their families are today teens. And, like, their families have this relationship where, like, the Watson's always the Watson and the Sherlock's always, like, the Sherlock. I love it. Yeah, it's fun. So I read very widely. But the one thing I don't really read is uh, self-help or, like, prescriptive books. Mm -hmm. Just because I feel like I – I'm always reading. That's like what Twitter is all about. <laughs> totally. You
2: know? Yeah. Will you also send
1: us your list,
2: your full list of products and yes. we'll put it on our yes, website? Definitely.
0: It's a beautiful, beautiful list.
1: Thank you. I only saw a glimpse of it on your phone, yeah. but it yeah. looks... <laughs> In depth.
2: Um, oh. Sophie, it was such
1: a delight to talk yeah, to you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for thank having you. me. Um, can we tell all our listeners where they can find you online and also how they can find and listen to She's All Fat?
0: Sure. Um, you can go on our website, www.she'sallfatpod.com, or you can search She's All Fat on pretty much any podcast listening app um you can find me at on instagram at underscore sophia ck underscore someone has sophia ck but they have not posted since 2012 so come on <gasps> i would like to find out how to contact them That is right. um are <laughs> on twitter i just at sophia ck and april who's my co-host is like at april k Quio, um across platform too um but yeah i hope you come and listen to our podcast we have a good time
2: it's and a lot of fun, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you so much for having thank me. You. I'm so excited this to be so here. Fun. Likewise,
1: <laughs> Kate. Yes, Doreen, how's your road rage? Well, you know, what's interesting is after our conversation about incorporating classical music into my car, yes, I've just kind of been playing it everywhere. Oh, been playing it at home. Mm-hmm. I have been playing it like when my kids sit down to do their homework. Mm. I just kind of put it on in the background. I mean, my daughter requested the new Jonas Brothers song while she did her homework. Sucker. Have you heard it? (laughs) I have not. It's a bop. Uh, But I was like, no, we're going to listen to this. And then I blasted some classical music. But I have just kind of been having it on in the background everywhere. Ooh! And today, you know what? Today, as I drove here to this recording, I was a bit more calm and collected. That's amazing. Is it going to last? Who knows?
2: I mean, KUSC in the afternoon, they have, anti they call it anti-road rage. It's a
1: legitimate programming. issue. No, it really, it's its a thing. Yeah. Uh, and I, I do really struggle with it. I get really worked up and like, it's I hard. like the angry feeling. Yeah, so, totally. Uh, I'm just evaluating it. So it's going okay. How about you? How are the, the tackling of the piles? Well, as you can see. Can I just say, I think the the hard thing anytime you're in such a place of transition, yes, there's always going to be new piles, I especially know. with a new baby, because things ha- like they're newborns and then they are, you know, it's just, there's yeah. always a
2: pile. I did clean out the closet in the nursery, okay, like not completely, because it's, we still need to be able to store non-baby stuff in there, but I cleared it out enough that we could put some baby stuff in there. Super. I also like cleared out another bin from the shed, and I talked about the piles with Matt, and he is on board to like start clearing them out too. So I think we're we're on our way. But pile patrol, pile patrol. But we have not totally finished. Um,
1: what about this week? What what's up? With you? Well, as I mentioned, I'm in kid artwork organization hell. Mm. But um, I actually posted what I now do is post on my Instagram stories asking for advice for things, and people have replied with all sorts of tips. Oh, good. Or mo- the biggest tip is just throw most of it out. So that's what I'm doing, and I'm really, I, I just ordered some plastic art organizers. Oh, cool. And I'm going to kind of try to organize stuff by like, you know, kindergarten and first grade, you know, kind mm. of just clump it together, really get rid of most of the stuff and then store it in a way that isn't like a giant bin full of papers. Right. I have so many of those. So it's a work in progress, but hopefully but it sounds like you have a plan. I think I do. And hopefully by the next time we talk, I will have everything like in the organizational tools Great. and everything thrown out that's getting thrown out. How about you? I need to stretch this week. Okay.
2: I've been, I, you know, I did something to my foot a couple weeks ago that is like still kind of bothering me. Top, bottom, bottom. Oh. And it like hurts. Like it, it, it hurts when I walk, which is an annoying thing. Like I've been able to do yoga and that's been fine. Um, but I feel like my hamstring is getting really tight. So I'm just going to try to stretch this week.
1: That seems like it's the perfect thing to do as you prepare your body for Thank you. childbirth. Thank you, Kate. Well, Dory. This brings us to the end. This brings us to the end of the road. But if you want to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 781 390 or email us at forever 35 podcast at gmail.com
2: you can join our
1: facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash forever 35 podcast and the password there is serums and of course if you like the show please do leave us a review on apple Podcasts, tell a friend or mention us on social meds Oh, Sorry. there you go again Sorry. you know but you, you did got, you got mad about prods my <laughs> one thing <laughs> i know i've pushed it so many times oh
2: boy social meads is so cute reminder that all the prods mentioned are always on our website forever35podcast.com and you can follow us on instagram at forever35podcast and on twitter at forever35pod
1: now what if i abbreviate everyone's names here like forever35 is hosted and produced by shop. Nope, I'm going to stop. Okay, look, it's produced and hosted by Dory Schaffrier and me, Kate Spencer, and produced and edited by Sammy Junio and Lane Hammer is our assistant.
2: Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.